This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. If you're a business owner, you do not need me to tell you that running a business is hard, really hard. But you might be making it tougher on yourself than necessary. Don't let QuickBooks and spreadsheets slow you down anymore. It is time for an upgrade. It is time to upgrade to NetSuite. Listen, stop paying for multiple systems that don't give you the information you need when you need it. Ditch the spreadsheets and all that old software that's obsolete that you've outgrown. Now is the time to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. It is the world's number one cloud business system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control over your financials, HR, inventory, e-commerce, and more. It's everything you need and it's all in one place instantaneously. So whether you're doing a million or hundreds of millions in revenue, save time and save money with NetSuite. Join the over 21,000 companies that are using NetSuite right now. Let NetSuite show you how they'll benefit your business with a free product tour at netsuite.com slash Rome. netsuite.com slash R-O-M-E. Schedule your free product tour right now. netsuite.com slash Rome. One more time for you. netsuite.com slash Rome. But we're talking about March Madness. You just never know. You know, it could be Michigan or, you know, it could be a team like Baylor. Um, you know, Gonzaga's the favorite, but I would not be surprised if somebody from the field jumps up and get hot in, in, during March Madness. Yo, yo, what's cracking? Welcome to episode 166 of the Jim Rome Podcast. So glad to have you here. This week, we start looking forward to quite possibly the greatest single event in all sports, the NCAA Tournament. Welcome back, March Madness. My guest today is somebody who played in a couple of the big dances. He coached in one. He was an NBA champion as a player. He was an NBA coach of the year. He is Avery Johnson. This pod is going to be a blast. Let's get this thing going. F-166 of the Jim Rohn Podcast with San Antonio Spurs legend Avery Johnson starts right now. Avery, I've got to say, I find myself saying this quite a bit lately, especially on this podcast and especially to old friends. So let me say the same thing to you. It's been a minute or so, Avery. How are you and how is your family doing during these challenging yet seemingly improving times? Well, Jim, it's good to reconnect with you. So excited to be on. Uh, family's doing well here in Dallas. And, uh, you know, we went through a tough obviously snowstorm a couple of weeks ago but uh, uh we're recovering and fortunately uh no no serious damage t- to our place of and but we had some folks that really really are suffered through that time but we're we're doing well we're excited and uh, moving forward. Good, good. Glad to hear that. And I definitely empathize with what you're saying, that some people in the area went through a really challenging time and continue to do so. And it's great to reconnect with you, too. So it's conference championship week. The NCAA tournament, Avery, is right around the corner. How hyped are you for March Madness? 
I, I'm hyped, Jim. Um, I had a chance uh, a couple of years back uh, when I was coaching at Alabama to participate in March Madness in 2018 with Colin Sexton and and that team that we had. And, um, you know, we upset it, uh, Virginia Tech in the first round and, and then subsequently lost to the eventual national champions in Villanova Wildcats. But it was just so wonderful to be a part of March Madness. I, I, I was – I had an opportunity to participate in it two years as a player when I was at Southern University in 1987 and 88. So to participate in it as a player and a coach, the energy, the excitement for the fan base, and um, it, it was an amazing opportunity no doubt and you get to coach your son too Avery so I know that was amazing you know I spoke to Alabama head coach Nate Oates on my radio program earlier this week he was raving raving about some of the talent that he inherited when he got that opportunity guys that you were with previously so let me ask you how does Alabama look to you right now and do you expect them to make a deep run yeah they look good you know we recruited a lot of those uh, players you know John Petty Herb Jones Alex Reese and they were in the class with Colin Sexton and Galen Smith, who's now playing at um, Maryland. Colin is obviously playing for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But we, we recruited a lot of those kids starting when they were in eighth grade when I first took the job at Alabama and built some extremely deep relationships with them and their families and their coaches. Um, so we were able to have one of the top recruiting classes in the history of Alabama back with that 2017 class. And now three of those kids, along with uh, Jaden Shackerford, who we basically poached out of California underneath UCLA's and USC's eyes. And now those four kids are really having a big impact on Alabama who could potentially make a deep run because they can shoot the ball extremely well from the three-point line, lots of depth. And um, and when you have that, that depth and, and experience, they're not a young team, they're an experienced team, they definitely can make a deep run. And Avery, you know it, Nate, they're going to be shooting the ball. They're going to be shooting the ball from deep, and they're going to be doing it often. You know, something else, Avery, it's amazing to me what Mark Few has built at Gonzaga. And even if he never wins at all, I think he's an unbelievable coach. But fair or not, this is how you're measured. Is this the year that he and the Zags get it done? Well, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, obviously he's had a heck of a run. Um, <laughs> I mean, they've been, you know, model of consistency throughout, you know, his time coaching at Gonzaga. Uh, you know, they're going to be the overall number one seed. Uh, they're deep, experienced, tough. Um, I recruited a kid uh, on their roster, Drew Timmy, from here in the Dallas area uh, when he was at Richardson High School. But, you know, the, the balance that they have, you know, they got five guys that can easily get double figures. They got size and speed. So, I mean, they're the odds-on favorite, but we're talking about March Madness. <laughs> you just never know. You know, it could be Michigan or, you know, it could be a team like Baylor. Baylor's awfully good. You know, Houston and Calvin Sampson, they just signed him to a contract extension. You know, they're one of the toughest defensive teams uh, in the field. So, um, you know, Gonzaga's the favorite, but I would not be surprised if, if uh, the, somebody from the field jumps up and get hot 
in during March Madness. It's so funny you say that, Avery. I was going to say, do you like Gonzaga or the field? And you already beat me to it. You answered the question. And I hear what you're saying. Like, Kelvin Sampson, you know, when you go up against a Kelvin Sampson team, they're going to be hard-nosed, and they're going to play hard. And you see that. Michigan has looked great for a long, long time before they lost two out of three. Baylor is really, really tough. So one more thought, Avery, about the field overall. Are there any sleepers that you're keeping an eye on or somebody that we should look out for come tournament time? Well, one of my sleepers definitely was uh, uh, Houston. Uh, but you can look at teams, you know, you can always be mindful of Texas Tech. Yes, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love Texas Tech. Well, Coach, uh, Long, you know, they can shoot it. Uh, you know, they, they play tough defense. And, and you got to look at teams that have had experience. You know, they've, they've been to the Final Four. Um, and when you combine all those things, you know, they, they play well on neutral courts. Uh, there are a lot of variables that's happening, you know, with, with the NCAA tournament. Can teams stay disciplined, especially when, you know, when you're going to be in the bubble? Um, so I look at Texas Tech as a team that definitely that, that can, you know, get hot at the right time. And at the end of the day, it's all about guard play. And when you have a kid – you know, like Matt McClung, you know, transferred in from, from Georgetown and, you know, leading them in scoring. Sometimes when you got that one guy, you, you we saw it when Davison upset Wisconsin years ago with Steph Curry, right? When you got to put the ball in the hands of a, of a guard that can kind of have one of those outlier performances, so Texas Tech would be my sleep. I love that. I love that so much, Avery, because, number one, I love Chris Beard. That's my guy. And come tournament time, you're so right. It's always about the guards. Now, Avery, you, i got to pick my spots because your basketball journey is so fascinating. I saw a conversation you had with Sean Elliott, and I love Sean Elliott. I miss Sean Elliott. i would, I got to get caught up with him at some point soon. But he was so quick to sing your praises and, in fact, says, despite having Tim Duncan, despite having David Robinson, despite having Sean himself, he's insistent that the Spurs do not win that first title in 1999 without your drive and your energy. It's extremely high praise. Like, you were running with Hall of Famers. I'm curious, how did you approach your role in terms of leadership and pushing and leading those around you on those great Spurs teams? Well, I just tried to make up for, you know, my lack of athleticism or size or, you know, not being drafted at all um, in 1988. I tried to make up for it with with leadership ability and, and being that extra coach on the floor, but playing, you know, with tenacity and, and grit and toughness and doing all the dirty work and little things and, and basically trying to play like a big man at the guard position taking charges, diving for loose balls, rebounding, uh, you know, just going in there, helping the big guys do some of the dirty work. So I, I just tried to be Mr. Consistency in terms of the leadership and making sure that we were organized and whatever we were trying to accomplish as a team, I wanted to make sure since the coach can't play, I wanted to be that guy on the floor that was executing the coach's vision and and because those guys, Sean and David and Tim and Mario, and those guys were so unbelievably dynamic on both ends of the floor, uh, I didn't have that necessarily that skill set. But my leadership skill set was one that I thought if I employed that, that could really separate me and give me a seat at the table. 
So, and it did, and it did, Avery. I'm curious, though, when you first got there, because of your background, and you touched on this, even though you had a really nice college career and you led the nation in assists and you went to the tournament a couple of times, you did go undrafted. Even in the NBA, you were cut, even cut on Christmas Eve, which, by the way, what is that? I mean, that, what a terrible thing that is. But when you were in San Antonio and when you first got there and you're running with these guys, I mean, over time, certainly you earned that respect. Sean Elliott just said a point blank, we do not win without Avery Johnson. But when you first get there and you start to kind of impose your will and you try to lead, what was that like initially? I mean, were these great players saying things like, hey, uh, you, whoever you are, we'll let you know when we want your opinion, or could you impose that will from the jump? No, I, I, I could impose it from the jump because I wasn't going to be told no. I wasn't right. going to you know, feel like I was less than anybody or because – you know, they were making, you know, the big salaries or they got drafted or whatever. They had, you know, the celebrity uh, without Twitter and all of the stuff that we have now. I just wasn't going to be refused to, uh, to to have an opportunity to impose my will on the team in a way that I thought would be mutually beneficial for everybody. So I, I think the communication with the players behind the scenes individually uh, and at team dinners, just being able to share some thoughts. Guys just trusted me from day one and allowed me to be myself. And, and the coaching staff, Coach Popovich, just empowered me. And, uh, you know, Jim, the fortunate thing about when I was working last year for CBS Sports Network and I would go out and call games and we were at the arenas and coaches would uh, allow me to talk to their teams after practice, one of the things I shared with the um, – what all of the players is, you know, just be consistent. Have that competitive spirit. Show your teammates that you care more about winning than about yourself. And if you do that, you're going to get the respect of your teammates. You're one of a kind, and so are your taxes. This is why TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who are ready to listen to you and learn about your unique tax situation and help you get the very best tax outcome. Maybe you're moonlighting as a rideshare driver and you've got questions about what qualifies as a deduction. Or maybe you'd like to hand the whole tax filing process off to an expert while you perfect your banana bread recipe. Maybe, right? So whether you want to file with the help of an expert or let the expert do the filing for you, TurboTax Live Tax Experts are here to help, giving you the confidence to know that you're one of a kind, uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live. You know, it's such a great point, Avery, and this is the way you always approached it. But again, I think, and the reason you were able to get the respect as quickly as you did from the likes of, and I'm talking about some of the best ever to do it, Tim Duncan, David Robinson, and other great, great players, you just always had this grit, this toughness, this work ethic, this grind, this drive, which leads me to my favorite question that I ask of everybody in this position. Where does it come from? I mean, were you hardwired for it? Did you come out like that? Or are you a product of how you came up? Did you learn this? How did you become like that? You know, I learned it, Jim. You know, my dad basically, you know, was had a fourth grade education. Um, but even though he wasn't academically astute, um, he he had a doctorate degree in toughness and hard work and discipline and preparation and, you know, coming early for work and staying late and uh, getting knocked down but getting back up and fighting through a lot of adversity. Uh, so he, my dad just always put on his hard hat and went to work every day. So 
So it wasn't about a formalized education, but it was about having that that education in all of those areas of discipline and determination and and details and and um just knowing how to resolve problems and conflict that uh, I got it from my dad. I love that. Like he had a PhD in all the intangibles, right? All the right stuff. Absolutely. And that intangibles are the key. So and 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 it tra- is transferable. So whether it's in uh sports or you know, finance and or commercial real estate, what, whatever it is, it's all transferable in media and, you know. So I, that's why I feel that uh, those type of skill sets, anybody can use them and still be successful. Well, I know this is true, Avery, because you're doing all these things now, post-basketball. You were doing all the things you just mentioned in finance and real estate and broadcasting. I want to ask you about the fact that you knocked down one of the most famous jumpers in the history of that franchise, the baseline jumper to win it all in 1999. Avery, I know I know that you've talked about this before, but I think it, it bears revisiting. And even on my radio program, I've talked San Antonio basketball for so many years, and Spurs Nation is so strong and so proud. If you were to take me back to that play, you were so wide open open like so wide open how did you get that wide open and what do you remember about that shot well the, the play is called four down because every time we needed a bucket we, we're calling four down we're, we're going to post him dunking up on the left box uh we're going to move appropriately and get to our spots and we've always told tim you know we want you to score the ball if you have one-on-one coverage score the ball if you if you get double team and you still have an angle, we want you to score the ball because that releases one other person on the offensive glass That where if you miss, we could potentially get a rebound. But if you get in trouble, pass it, and we'll try to get it back to you. But if not, the guy that's wide open is going to knock down the shot. So I remember Charlie Ward and Latrell Sprewell, they got confused on the rotations when they went and double-teamed Tim. Tim kicks it out to Sean Elliott, and Sean normally would swing the ball to the right side to Mario, but since the Knicks got confused, they lost me on the left side at baseline. Sean Elliott pumped fake and hit me in the corner, and I just caught it and shot it just like I do in practice. And I've missed that shot a thousand times, but, hey, it's all about the thousand and first time, and fortunately it went in. That's an amazing thing, right? Like, you still have to want that shot, right? No matter how many times you've missed that shot, you still have to want that shot. You know, if you've missed that shot a thousand times, how do you explain that you hit that shot when it mattered most on the biggest stage? Yeah, but, you know, I missed it a thousand times, but I made it 10,000 times. Okay, fair enough. So my mind was on all of the makes and uh, just your mechanics and practice. And, you know, I, I wasn't really a guy that team start could beat them from the outside so they would live with with my outside shot so i i always thought about to my successful times and in practice and games where i made it and and again it's just an inspiration to all of those spurs fans that you mentioned that were always kind of looked down upon because it was a small market team i was looked down upon because i was 5 10 5 11 and my, my you know, went to a historically black college. I didn't go to, you, you know, North Carolina or Duke or Kentucky. So I, I just think that shot was symbolic of all that I went through and all of uh, the Spurs fan that loved and adored us. That was for them and, and my teammates Man, and my family. 
I'm sorry to interrupt. That's so true. That was the culmination of all of that. So I wonder, Avery, like when you have the college career you have and you go undrafted at that time, at that time, how did you process that? How trying a period was that? And how did you approach that? Like, what did you do with that time? That, that was as disappointed as I think I had been up until that point in my career or my life, really. Uh, you know, you have a celebration, you graduate from college, you know, you know, a month before, and here comes the draft, and you lead, you've led the nation in assists two years in a row. You've competed on the biggest stages with all the best players, and then you don't hear your name called. You know, so you just sit there, you know, for an hour or two after the draft, and and you're just really disappointed. And uh, you, you figure out, well, what else could I have done? <laughs> and fortunately, I got a call from Bernie Bickerstaff, who was coaching the Seattle Supersonics, and invited me to try out for the Supersonics, along with some other teams that called me. And I went and tried out, and the rest is history. But, but at that point in time, I would say that uh, I was really down. But uh, fortunately, I was able to get back off the mat and go try out for the Sonics, and I made the team and played uh, 16 years. Like I said, an amazing basketball journey, and there's so many guys I could ask you about. Like you mentioned Mario Eli. I mean, normally you would gravitate to, tell me about Tim, tell me about David. Mar- I love Mario Eli. He was one of my favorites. He was such a clutch player. I would imagine such a great teammate. You also mentioned Spree. Like Avery, back when Spree was like Spree, right? When he was in his prime and he was healthy, how fierce a competitor was Latrell Spreewell? Well, he was a fierce competitor. You know, I had a chance, obviously, to play with him in those uh, 99 finals. But my time goes back to Spree when uh, when we were teammates with the Golden State Warriors. You know, Michael decides to go play baseball, and uh, Spree was first team All-NBA, um, you know, in, in, in that 92-93 season. And uh, he was incredible. You know, Chris Webber was a rookie, and uh, we, we just – had a deep run. The team was unbelievable. Um, and uh, 93, 94, I may have my years messed up, but, you know, Chris Mullen, uh, Billy Owens, you know, Don Nelson was the coach. Coach Greg Popovich was an assistant coach. But uh, Spree was as clutch as any player in, in, in the NBA, uh, just fast. Pro- could be, he's probably was one of the fastest guys in the NBA. But his athleticism – explosiveness, uh, uh, three-point shots, big shots. Uh, He was was as good as anybody uh, in the NBA that year. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Probably so. Listen, this time don't make a shake. Do not eat a bar. Grab instead a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. That's my go-to. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and it's tender and it's made from real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. Plus, Old Trapper is a family-owned business. I know this family, and I know they take smoked beef extremely seriously so you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried Rough beef in a bag. Nobody. It's like eating an old shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal. And it comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for it in the Clearview bag. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef?
those warrior teams, Avery, were so fun to watch. So fun to watch. Hey, listen, I, I pride myself on not being that guy who's going to spit out a hot take or chase clicks or manufacture lame debates. You mentioned Mike, and I'm just, I, I hold your opinion in such high regard. You played in a great, great era. And maybe there's no easy answer to this, but like, if you were to start a franchise right now, who are you going to start with, Avery? I mean, do you start with Mike? Do you start with Kobe? Do you start with LeBron? Do you start with one of the bigs? Like, who's the GOAT? Try to be objective about this because you played with some great guys that I know you love. But who's the GOAT, and who would you start with? Um, there's a guy that just built his own golf course in uh, Florida. Right. Uh, he built his own golf course. Uh, he has one of the most successful brands of tennis shoes uh, named after him. In the history of of that that market, um, you know he's won multiple gold medals. Uh, he's never lost in the NBA Finals. I think he's six and zero. Oh I think he is in the NBA Finals. I, there's no question. Is Michael Jordan? It's, it's it's such an easy answer for me. And there's no disrespect to anybody else that you mentioned, but um, I, I've never seen anybody like Michael and what he did on the floor. Um, as successful as he was, always making the big shots on the biggest stage at the biggest moments. Six and zero in the finals probably would have been eight and zero had he uh, decided that he wanted to try to be Hank Aaron for a year or two. So I just think uh, that LeBron James has been, had an unbelievable career. I mean, on so many levels. Kobe, you know, rest in peace. Uh, Kareem, uh, you know Tim Duncan. You got a lot of guys, but uh, I would I would say Michael would be the guy that I would start a franchise with. I, I cannot tell you how much I respect how emphatic you were about that, Avery, and that you answered that question the way you did. I, I, I have so much respect for that. I really appreciate that answer. Let me ask you this: like another guy I could ask you about, and you played with so many great, great teammates. But I got to ask you about the worm, Dennis Rodman, because to me, Dennis, Dennis is one of one, right? I mean, the game really has never seen anybody like Dennis. I'm going to argue that life has never seen anybody like Dennis. I know the Spurs had never seen anybody like Dennis. How did he fit in with that famous Spurs culture? And what was Dennis like as a teammate at that time? Well, it was a struggle for him to fit in because you can't really put Dennis in a box. You know, Dennis wasn't the guy that was going to always be on time for practice or, you know, he wasn't going to be the guy that's always going to be paying attention, uh, you know, with pregame talks. Uh, he had his own way. And I think, you know, the way John Lucas handled him was to give him his freedom, but to make sure you're always there for game time. And uh, I think when you try to put Dennis in a box, even with Phil Jackson, uh, Dennis still broke the rules with the Bulls. We saw it on the last dance. You know, he still went to Vegas at the wrong time. But guess what? When he came back, he was in the starting lineup. But Dennis was an unbelievable rebounder, one of the most well-conditioned athletes I've ever seen in my life. Uh, you know, nowadays, you know, some players on either level, they get tired or they take games off or whatever. Uh, Dennis, you know, didn't want to take any games off. He always wanted to play 48 minutes. He was in 48-minute condition. His workout after games were, were legendary in the weight room. I've never seen it before. So uh, a lot of respect for what he did during his career, and uh, he, he will always be probably a little bit underappreciated and, and misrepresented 
in some circles. But the year we spent together, we lost in the fi- conference finals to our Rockets um, when we were 60, I think we were 62 and 20. And, and Dennis and David, that one-two punch at the power forward and center position was as could a punch I've ever seen and been a part of in my career. It was wild. Listen, we have a few minutes before you go. You just said that, like, Dennis never got tired. I'll give you another guy that I never once saw tired ever, and you had some legendary battles with him. And I bring this up now because when you look at the West this year, Avery, there's a lot of interest in the Utah Jazz. Like I, And there's a lot to like about them, by the way. I love them. I understand they've got to prove it in the postseason. But what was it like back in the day – to go up against the Jazz. And when I talk about a guy who never got tired, man, John Stockton. Like, dude, did this guy ever, ever get tired? And what were those battles like for you personally with Stockton? It it was battles because, you know, they were like our big brothers. And, you know, the way they played, they were so disciplined and tough. And, you know, they they were physical. And if you didn't match up to that physicality, you were going to get embarrassed. Or you're going to start getting technical fouls because you're complaining to the referees. And so they had a high bar for us. That was one of the teams that we circled that we felt that we had to reach that level of physicality. Our offense had to be executed on that level for us to have a chance to compete. So it was, it was very competitive. You know, they didn't respect us, you know, a lot early on because we were viewed as a soft team or, you know, a bunch of little preachers running around. And, and you know, so I think we had to gain their respect and earn it, and we we eventually did. And there was a, a stretch there where we really dominated them for several years, and uh, they never beat us in, in a long stretch there. But um, I think if I were to see John Stockton today walking in a grocery store, I'd probably elbow him before I – give him a handshake because we had some wars. Yeah, I love that. And by the way, he probably, I mean, he, he'd be happy to see you, but he'd probably get an elbow up through a moving screen. Like, I'm not trying to start anything here, Avery, but like when you say they were physical, were they physical or were they dirty or were they both? I, I, I think it was a little bit of everything, but you got to remember in today's game, right. What they were doing may be called flagrant, a flagrant foul or dirty uh, because the rules have changed. But God damn, man, it's just physical. You know, the way they played, the way the Detroit Pistons bad boys played, that was just the culture of the NBA. And it was a lot of holding and grabbing and, and, and illegal screens. But it, it just was a product of the game during that point in time. And that's why when I hear guys – talk about, you know, the game today, especially retired players, and they talk about, you know, how different the game is. You're right. It's different. It's not worse. It's just different. And we have to respect the guys that are playing in the NBA. You know, look at college. We have more three-point shooting in college today than we had in the last probably, you know, 10 years. But it's just a different game. It's a different culture, different time. And we just have to respect it. I appreciate that. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. So, Avery, finally, like you, you were a really good coach. You were an NBA coach of the year. I'm really curious about the Dallas situation because if San Antonio might have been the best situation or the best culture or the best of all these things, I know Dallas was also a great situation, and you tried to instill some of that culture that you had in San Antonio with Dallas. I Personally, I love Mark Cuban. I'm curious, what was it like – 
to work with him? What was he like as the owner of that team from your standpoint as a head coach? Was he hands-on? Did he let you do your job? What was that part of your career like? It was unbelievable because Mark taught me a lot of lessons about, you know, business, uh, basketball, um, in, in terms of looking at the big picture. Mark introduced me to analytics, basketball analytics, and technology. And um, I, I think he's one of the most underappreciated um, owners in sports. I, I just think he, you know, it, I have such a high degree of respect for him. I was there in the trenches with him behind the scenes. And I, I see how a lot of owners are celebrating. And sure, he gets respect, but he needs even more what he's done for, in, for the NBA and helping them in terms of the whole overall product. You know, he, he, he's just unbelievable. And um, I, I, couldn't, I wouldn't be the man I am today in terms of how I think of business and technology and uh, how to build the right staff. And sure, like he made some mistakes along the way, like we all do. But uh, Mark has been a, he's been a gift to the NBA and he should be celebrated. And uh, I, I think, you know, down the road, he, he should be somebody that uh, could potentially be in the Hall of Fame. I think so, too. I'm really glad to hear you speak of him like that, but I'm not surprised. Avery, that was a quick half hour. I am so glad that you and I could come together, get caught up, chop it up, talk the college game, talk about where you are now in life, and just I really appreciate the relationship and the fact that you and I could get caught up. Avery, thank you so much for that. That was an absolute blast. Well, the one thing we didn't talk about, Jim, was you didn't give me your derby favorite this year. <laughs> I know, you know I'm going to give you one. Life he, is good. <laughs> I do like life is good. Do you lay it out for me really quickly? What do you like about that horse? I, I just think um, unlike derby winners in the past, I think the ones that have the speed that can get to the front and sustain that high level of a speed rating and don't look back and go from gate to wire – that, that running style fits Churchill down. So we'll see what happens. Can't wait to see it. Avery, appreciate you so much. Thanks for that tip, and uh, hopefully we can do it again really soon. Okay, thanks, Jim. Hey, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all of the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. How amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. Huge thanks to my guy and CBS colleague, Avery Johnson, for coming in and dropping all sorts of basketball knowledge. And be sure to tune in to CBS this Sunday for the NCAA Tournament Selection Show at 6 p.m. Eastern and see how this year's bracket shakes out. That's Ep 166 in the books. Make sure to join me next week for number 167. And if you don't mind, be sure to subscribe to the pod so these conversations pop into your feed every single week without any extra effort on your part. And go ahead and if you can, leave a review while you're there too, and I appreciate it so much. In the meantime, same place next Wednesday. But until then, here are your voicemails. First new message. Hey, Jim. Got a great Kevin Garnett story. I picked him up at the, I was at this car service and gave a real nice tip. 
Message deleted. Next message. I was popping pimp. Apparently, I had a bad phone line earlier. Long story short, Houston Rockets franchise. You guys are soft as custard. If you guys retire that quitter, James Harden boiled eggs jersey, man, you guys are a bunch of candy asses, especially you, Fertitta. That shit is lame. War Houston hecklers lobbing bone-in hams at James Harden's arteries to slam into his gullet. Freaking quitter. Message saved. Next message. What's up, bro? It's Dr. Dave. You know, it's a better mood here now that most of our snow is melted. That Brian Shaw podcast was great to bring up Isaiah Ryder. Reminded me of the greatest play of probably the 90s when he was going out of bounds and threw it in from 40 feet while trying to save the ball. Probably the best play in the NBA in the last 30 years. Might not be as good as a play as when I get to be on the show, The Chase, because I've just passed through the first three rounds of the auditions. If I get on, I'm coming out to see the jungle. Later, bitches. Message saved. Next message. Hi, Jim. It's John in New York, Jim. I just wanted to say... I like your podcast with Brian Shaw, Jim, and I also like your podcast with Kenny Anderson, Jim. And also, Jim, let me know, please, when one of your racehorses is running in New York, because I would like to go and bet on your horse, Jim. Thank you, Jim, and I love you. Bye, Jim. Message deleted. Next message. Romy, Justin and Melbourne, man. I just heard your interview with Benny Scholl. I mean, I don't know why you don't just walk off after that one. But I do want to explain to Benny, when he was in Cleveland, COVID didn't shut down that city. That's how Cleveland operates on the daily. We don't need COVID. Cleveland is from the dark ages, my man. But great interview, and I uh, can't wait to buy your CD. Message saved. You have no more messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.